Hey guys, we're the Elevate Committee of FCSS FESC and we focus on recognizing issues underlying student mental health and learning to be more mindful while responding to these issues. We have created in the past a guide specifically for secondary students who struggle with mental health issues, which you can check out on our website. I'm Ursula, the Elevate Program Manager, and we're here to talk to you guys about one of the most stressful things many high schoolers face, and that is the IB and AP program. Hi, I'm Joanne, and I'm one of the Elevate program coordinators. Hi, I'm Joanna, and I'm also one of the Elevate program coordinators. Hi, I'm Raisa, and I'm also one of the Elevate program coordinators. So I think to start this off, um, how does the IB and AP program affect your electives or credits in university applications? So essentially, the IB program um, is a program that builds up to a diploma. So students are required to take a standard set of courses and exams in the two years that the program runs, which is grade 11 and grade 12. And so you would have to take at least one course from all of the six IB subject groups, which are studies and language in language and literature, which is basically English, language acquisition, so a second language, individuals and societies, which is like geography or history, and then the sciences, mathematics, and the arts. If you're not interested in taking a subject from the sixth group, the arts, uh, you can replace it with a subject of your interest in any of the other five subjects. So additionally, this means that you would have to take French or a second language such as Spanish for all four years of high school. Furthermore, you would have to take a TOK theory of knowledge course um, and finish 150 CAS hours. TOK explores the way that we understand and intake knowledge as human beings and questions that we perceive as the truth. And CAS stands for creativity, activity, and service. These CAS hours are counted as you participate in councils or clubs that contribute to any one of the aspects of CAS. So you have to maintain a balance in all three areas, not too many hours in one and barely in another. And there is an extra component within CAS called the CAS project, uh, which is a self-initiated project that lasts a minimum of two months. And all these hours will ensure that you're participating in extracurricular activities so that your university supplementary application will show your strengths as an overall well-rounded youth rather than just a hard-working student. So as a result, you won't have space in your timetable to take other elective classes, such as computer science or law. And you can only take two different sciences max through IB, and you don't have time during your grade 11 and 12 years to take a regular um, non-IB science course. And so if you want the credit for the third science, you would probably have to take it during summer school. You would also have the option of taking civics and careers in summer school before uh, your grade tenure so that you can take a grade 11 science in grade 10, but that's not always guaranteed uh, because as it depends on your school's class availability. So this strict course set also affects your grade tenure as you'll have to take enriched math for both semesters as well as a French course. Um, these math classes are more challenging than regular academic grade 10 math and includes a functions course, which would usually be only taken in grade 11. And some schools, they would merge this grade 11's functions course into the grade 10 math course, making it an enriched course. You may be eligible to receive university credits from your IB courses, depending on the university class and your exam scores, which usually have to be a six or seven. Um, and IB exams are scored out of seven. So in AP, since it isn't a program that accumulates in a diploma, you can choose any number or variety of AP courses. This means that if you want to take English and you enjoy literature, you can take AP English while still taking regular science and math courses. You also may to receive university credits from AP classes as well. But again, 
that's dependent on the university and your AP exam scores, which usually have to be higher than a four. Unlike IB, you can still take the AP exams even if you don't take the course in school, and you have the option of either self-studying in preparation for the exam or paying for AP courses at tutoring or after-school programs. Yeah, that's a very comprehensive um, answer, and I think it really, you know, defines what both the IB and AP programs, um, you know, would affect their future um, decisions. So moving on, uh, what is the workload between pre-AP versus real AP, and then the difference between IB versus pre-IB? Starting with IB versus pre-IB, I think for me, the jump from pre-IB to IB was like in terms of workload, it was quite huge. And the most drastic jump for me, and this is personally speaking, I think it was in um, the content of math and sciences. And that's just because of like the nature of the workload, how you have to practice every day and you would have homework every day for those practices so that you do well on the exam. And since IB does move faster, you have more tests and assessments and the workload surely increases as I s mentioned, just like, it's just the nature of this entire program, how it's more advanced, so there's more to do. And it does homework, even if it's just a worksheet or something, it would take much longer than you did in grade nine or 10. And with the tests and assessments, since you've finished units quicker, the tests and assessments are gonna come also at a quicker pace. So that's why there's a lot to balance in IB. The course content is also similar to in pre-IB. The course content is pretty similar to the academic stream as Joanne, except for what Joanne mentioned, how the grade 10 math, we, we merge, schools merge their grade 11 functions program into their grade 10 year so that it's more enriched. However, in IB, you won't get that. It's completely different than academic, all the streams. Even in literature, in literacy, not only do you write differently, but like the books you read and all, they're all different. So the workload is definitely, like in pre-IB is definitely less than the year one of IB. In general speaking, like there's always a phrase that when seniors like to graduate from high school, if you ask them which year is the most difficult to, for them, most of them would say it's grade 11. And I totally agree because the jump is just so huge and the increase in difficulty level, it doesn't matter if you're an IB, AP or an academic, it's just there's a big difference in especially in math and sciences it does feel overwhelming at first depending on like the subjects you have in that semesters for me personally i had hl math and hl chem in the first sem of grade 11 and i really i felt that jump in difficulty just because those two were so like there was so much work and homework every day and tests and all there was at least a test or quiz every week for me and that was really really hectic in the first month but after the first month I felt that like I got used to it and getting used to the pace is the most important thing being adaptable to it so you just have to give yourself time because at first you're going to feel the overwhelming load of stress and all but just give yourself time to adapt to the environment because it is a, such a different environment and Unfortunately, because of the whole COVID situation and like the quad, like most of the schools are doing quadmesters now, there are certain days where you won't get to relax. And it's unless if you have like a test the next day where like all, all you have to do is like 
review that day and you don't have homework then maybe those are the days you get to relax which isn't really a relaxing day because you have to study for the test the next day but then as i mentioned the first month always feels suffocating because assignments tests and homework they pile up but then you'll learn to manage your time properly and have a better idea of like what your own studying habits are one small trick that works for me is that when finishing my homework homework i do the ones that are that take the least time so that i can feel i guess a little accomplished once i'm finished finish that task so that i can like check out that one homework for my to-do list and see them all checked off at the end of the day is the most satisfying thing you can see on to pre-ap versus ap ap is a lot more academically rigorous than honors or pre-ap programs the programs are really fast-paced so that all the information is covered it's especially difficult to transition from one pre-ap science course to three ap science courses or when you're studying for ap exams the AP exams are distributed into two to three weeks in May, so it's like taking another exam other than the ones you take during the regular school year. If you would like to report your scores to universities when you're applying, you'll have to take your AP tests in May of grade 11. AP courses like chemistry and biology include material from the grade 11 and 12 course, so you'll have to study a year ahead, which can be difficult. I guess moving on to our, our third topic or question, uh, what are the benefits of Taking the AP exams, should I take it or not? Most AP courses and exams are at a first year university level. So taking the AP exams gives you the opportunity to earn a university credit or advanced placement at most Canadian and American colleges and universities. But this is only provided that your exam scores are high enough, which is a four or a five, and the AP exams scored out of five. There are 38 different AP classes giving you the freedom to study subjects you enjoy. For example, there is a psychology course, different languages, art, and literature, and it lets you find your strengths and weaknesses before you go to university and colleges. Okay, and that's really, you know, interesting. And I guess to kind of talk about IB, what is the difference between HL and SL subjects? As for IB, there are there are two different types of levels you can choose within a course, which is HL higher level or SL standard level. Some schools only offer one for one of the subjects. So for my school, they only offered SL French, so you couldn't take HL French even if you weren't even if you were fluent. But the overall difference is that. SL has a recommended 150 instructional hours, teaching hours, whereas HL, it's recommended that you would have 240 instructional hours. For HL courses, they cover more in terms of content. So for example, for sciences, um, you would have to cover the basic core plus extras from like, plus extra content, whereas in SL, you only cover like the core. So for taking physics, for example, you would only have to cover for SL the six, the eight core and you choose one of the options because when the paper involves one of the options that you have to study, your teacher will probably be the one picking the option. However, for HL, you would have to study all 12. There are four options to pick from. And in HL, you would have to study all 12 of the topics. Whereas in SL, you, could only, you would only have to study the eight plus one option, which makes sense as HL, you would have more instructional hours, which is a whole semester more than SL. Depending on the subject, choosing HL or SL could result in an extra paper to write. So as for HL math versus SL math, 
HL math, there are three papers to write, whereas SL math, there are only two. However, for some subjects, it doesn't matter. Like for the sciences, it, there are three papers, whether you take HL or SL. Yeah. And I think, you know, a prospective student, if they're going to take these programs, like they would wonder, how do you balance all of these workloads, you know, with the homework and life outside of school? And I certainly can say, like, as a IB2 student myself, like, I have gone through, I think every single tip is out there. And what I found very useful is having really good time management skills, because I think without having, you know, management, uh, time management skills, uh, you're not going to be able to complete your CAS, which is, you know, your curricular activities, and then also like having time for your family and your life, right? So I think whether you use a planner or you're using a Google calendar, for example, that's what I use, or a bullet journal or any other some sort of like time management skills, um, like that allows you to kind of plan out your time and see, you know, how much time you're spending for assignments, self-care or extracurriculars. And then by having that layout, it gives you a visual of how much you're spending for each thing. And also if you're gonna spend like at least, you know, more than, Four hours a day on homework, I don't think that's going to be useful because you might just, you know, devote that time, but you might not be focusing. So that's why if you have that planner, you're able to see kind of the things that you're doing and maximize your time very wisely. I think the biggest second tip is finding your most effective uh, study skills, because I think as an IB2 student myself too, it took many trials uh, to find what works for me. Um, but since like now I know what works for me, what works best for certain subjects, uh, I'm able to spend quote unquote less time, meaning I'm able to study more effectively in less time. So I'm able to give that uh, free time to you know life, uh, self-care. It could also be for extracurriculars. And also um, what, it's, what I found really interesting is that I sometimes need to change the way I study within a certain subject. So for example, there are, uh, as Ursula said, there were eight, topics in, um, in physics, but I take biology, which there are, uh, I think there are eight, um, eight, top, uh, eight topics that you need to learn. Same thing as physics. So during those topics, like I would change up the way I study very slightly because in terms of like the content itself, it differs by topic. So that's why I would, you know, sometimes adjust little things here and there to ensure that it works for that unit. The last step that I is very useful and it's very important that is your mental health comes first. Your well-being always comes first, never academia. I know sometimes you can attach your values to the academic work you're doing, but at the end of the day, if you're burnt out, you're never gonna do your work well. One tip is that, you know, you have to integrate self-care into your daily schedule. That's why you're using your planners to plan out your self-care. There also have been classmates of mine who have dropped out because these programs are not perfect fit for them. This, these rigorous programs are not fit for everyone. They don't fit to everyone's lifestyle. They don't fit into everyone's interests and their goals. So, you know, it is okay. It is more than okay to drop out. There's, there's no shame. There's no, you know, regrets. Like these students have told me like, it's the best decision that they've made because they know what's right for them. So make sure whenever you're thinking about these programs, like you need to know that what's best for you. Yeah, and then you can also check out our Elevate Guide, which is on FCSS, FCSE website. And there's a bunch of different ways you can practice mindfulness and also how to find help if you need it. As an IB2 student myself, I want to know from others, uh, what surprised you the most being in the IB program? One thing that surprised me most or what I found surprising was the conversions in IB. 
these conversions are like given to us and sometimes they just seem undeserving to me it's just that there's such a big gap in the mark you get and the mark on the report card because of the conversion and there like for me to see that big difference and discrepancy between my raw mark and mark to like the guidance office which is also reported to universities if you're in grade 12 I get concerned on how well I'm actually going to do on the exam I know that many students have said don't worry like whatever you get in the course it's going to be around the same as long as your teacher is know what to expect on the exam and knows what he or she is doing then it would be around the same but I still get concerned that like the marks just won't be the same and my predicted mark would be more actual mark would be lower than my predicted mark because these conversions are just the gap is just so so big another thing that I'm concerned about is that I'll be too caught up with marks in university because of these conversions I know I've heard from many many people and even people who I'm still friends with who have graduated already they tell me that your mark expect at least a 20% drop. Like, unless if you're super, super, super smart, expect at least a 20% drop. And these are people who have been predicted a 44 out of 45 in IB. This one girl that I still talk to, she told me, like, she used to get, like, 90s, like, all sevens, predicted all sevens. But she saw at least a 20% drop in her mark. And so one thing to be careful of, like what Reza mentioned, is to not attach yourself so much with the value that you get on your report card. Another thing that also surprised me was the amount of free time we had. And I'm pretty sure people in this call, my coordinators, agree. It's because that when we were officially considered IB students, like in grade 11, I still had time to join for council I was and still am a part of and could join like other clubs and ensembles too. One worry I had in IB in the summer, I remember worrying so much about this, was the amount of free time I would have. I was trying to study ahead, but which didn't work because I barely knew anything while reading, trying to study ahead. So reading those articles or textbooks, they, it didn't help. So one of the, the reason why I worried about that is because the upper year and admins, in my school at least, they would tell us like how rigorous the program is and that there are there's rarely any time for any other things. But that is not entirely true. It is true that it does take up a lot of your time, but I wouldn't go to say that you wouldn't have time for anything else every single day. Because for me, especially, I would say, even though grade 11, as I mentioned before, semester one was such a hectic time, I still had around at least 30 minutes each day to go on social media and like reply to my friends and watch videos, anything like that. And that's like a part of my self-care routine, which we talked more about in the guide. So if you want to check that out about how many ways or what you can do to incorporate self-care into your schedule, you can check out our guide uh, on our website. It's under the Elevate program at the bottom of the site. So during exam and test dates, I think that is true that you won't have a lot of time and that's just because you have to study for them. So you won't have a lot of time to go on your phone or anything, but you still would have time to do what you like. And that is really, really important in IB. Yes, it would be really stressful, but joining clubs and councils that you like really helps you be less stressed. Like for me, I know I've talked to people and I asked, I'm like, why are you still in band? You don't take music. They were like, well, it's what I do. It's 
because a band that I can still have interactions with other people. So that's really, really important. And I'm pretty sure a bunch of you out there can feel this impact of COVID, how that lack of human connection really took a toll on your mental health. And so that's why continue to keep yourself involved. Make sure you don't overload though. That's one of the biggest advice I'll give. Not overload yourself and to know what you're capable of. I would say the same thing as well as an IB2 student. And um, honestly, I've known uh, students at my school who do varsity football and still do IB and they are doing very well. So it's definitely possible. Uh, it's definitely possible to do competitive sports and um, be involved in a lot of things at school. So I think also another question that a lot of students wonder before joining these rigorous program is the extra work worth it? In many schools that offer AP courses, you get a 5% boost in every course you take. But if you're struggling with the workload and tests, you may do better in just regular academic classes. Uh, my friend, she she took grade 10 AP math and she got an 85 with the, eight, with the 5% boost. But in grade 11, she dropped out to academic math course and she did way better. So it really depends on what's best for you. And even if you don't take an AP course, you can still do great. I can certainly kind of agree with um, the AP. I think the biggest thing for IB is that you gain experience uh, in preparation for university as and it can make your transition a lot easier. Because since the uh, content pace is at a rigorous pace, and so you're going to be kind of learning into kind of a lecture, you know, style universities, because I've talked to some university students and they say the content that you're learning and the pace that you're learning at, it's actually kind of what university do. So I would say you kind of get pre-exposure to what university will be like, and that it's kind of like a chance for you to, you know, try out, you know, what works best for you in terms of learning style and also kind of like for each subject. That's what I did. And IB is definitely worth it if you can handle the amount of work and the amount of dedication that you actually have to put in it, which uh, as it does teach you some of the content in the first year, like university, uh, for example, like chemistry. Uh, but some alumni did say that you won't have as strong as of a base of for, for first year if you are not a fast learner type. So I would say um, uh, IB gives you that pre-exposure. And then also if you are not planning to take the advanced credit. So if you decide to take first year chemistry again, you will have a stronger base, uh, uh, knowledge base. And then so you're able to ace more tests and you know well above and beyond. One thing to know is that academic streams uh, teaches you at a slower pace and also less content. So the information is retained better uh, if you are a more of a self-study learner. So it really all depends of what works best for you and really see where you go from there. And one last question before we wrap up is, where do you take AP exams? If your high school offers AP courses, they usually administer AP exams as well. Registration usually starts in October and November, and the fee differs from every school and exam center. I'm taking an, I'm, I'm taking an exam at my school, which costs $130, and I'm taking two exams at an exam center, and it costs $210, which is outrageous, but if there is an exam you want to take that your school doesn't offer, you can look at the AP course audit for a list of high schools and exam centers that offer AP exams. But if you ask your guidance counselor, they may be helpful. 
they may be able to help you locate exam centers more efficiently. Okay, so that wraps up our podcast for today. Thank you so much for being here. Um, you know, share our podcast to any students you know who are willing or interested in joining the IB and AP program. And if you have any other questions which we have not addressed to here in this podcast, watch out on our Instagram story as we will be posting a Q&A to create a second podcast for you guys. So if you have any other questions that we did not address, please feel free to f- fill out that story when it does get posted. And our Instagram handle is FCSSFESC. Great, right, sounds good. Um, we will see you guys next time.